It's great to see all of you this evening. Hope everyone's doing well. We got four different back rows in church tonight. Have you noticed that? And then we have the balcony dwellers who we love dearly. I'm going to preach from the balcony. Wouldn't that upset the apple cart some Sunday? <laughs> then the balcony people and all the back row people would come up front, wouldn't they? We would, we would reverse it. We would trick them. I'm a balcony person, back row Baptist too. All right, everybody got a sheet that wants a sheet? Well, we're going to talk tonight about speaking in tongues. I'll ask a silly question. How many of you have heard of this topic? How many of you know there's a lot of confusion and disagreement on this topic? Cindy may not remember this, but this was years ago. This was long before we were in Ruston. We met with a pulpit committee in Texas, and the chairman of the committee, for some reason the subject of speaking in tongues came up, and their response was, oh, we're not even going to discuss that. We're not even going to go there. It's too controversial. And I just remember thinking, that's not how you deal with a subject, is it? Let's put our heads in the sand and close our eyes and pretend like it'll go away. That's not the way we do it. Let me give you the evening to begin. There are two extremes in regards to tongues. There are two extremes or two different points that people can fall off the horse on. One is that tongues no longer exist. These folks would be called cessationists. They believe tongues ceased at the end of the first century. The problem is, is the Bible does not teach that. That fits neatly if you don't want people speaking in tongues, correct? But that's not what the Bible teaches. The second extreme is that would, would people would say, if you are saved and right with the Lord, you'll speak in tongues. The second extreme is that you will speak in tongues... If you were saved and right with the Lord, how many of you would have a problem with that? Unless you've spoken in tongues, you better have a real problem with that if you're planning on going to heaven someday. The problem is the Bible does not teach that either. So what I want us to try to do in about 20 more minutes with a topic that's got a thousand books written on it, I want us to try to get a simple understanding of this subject. Tongues is tied in with spiritual gifts. Now, you really can't get away from that. That's an important aspect of this. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, to each one is given the manifestation, that's the, the gift of the Spirit for the common good of the kingdom and for the church. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, we saw last week, to another prophecy, 
to another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Here's a really cool thing that we talked about weeks ago. If you're a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. Isn't that wonderful? If you're a Christian, I believe you probably have more than one spiritual gift, but every Christian, now think about how cool that is. Man, we're going to look Sunday morning about how valuable you are, but another way God puts a a exclamation point by you is that when you gave your life to Christ, he gave you a spiritual gift or spiritual gifts to make the church and the cause of, of Christ better. But no one has every gift. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 30. This is very important. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? And the answer to those questions is what? No, they don't. I, I think speaking in tongues... Again, it's tied in with spiritual gifts, and a lot of times you hear people on the, on the extreme that everybody should do it, or if, if you love Jesus, you should do it, where I think they miss that is the tie into spiritual gifts, okay? Now, I think with the spiritual gifts, tongues manifest itself in three ways in the New Testament. It appears, it appears I'm not trying to be dogmatic, but I think Biblically, tongues, tongues can be seen in three ways. Number one, it can be speaking in a foreign language you do not know. Jamie, we're not going to put all those scriptures up, but if you see in your notes, Acts 2, 1 through 11. Let me paraphrase what happened. This is the day of what? Day of Pentecost. And the 120 Christians are in the upper room praying, and... All of a sudden, it says that looked like tongues came and fell on them, tongues of fire. And they apparently went out from there, and they began to speak in tongues. But as you read that passage, and I'm telling you, paraphrasing it, but clearly what it says, there were, it was at the Passover, and it wasn't at the Passover, it was at the next feast of Pentecost, and there were Jewish people from all over the world there who did not speak the same language and non-Jewish people. And it says, we heard them speaking to us in our own tongue. Does that make sense? How many of you can speak fluid Russian? If you raise your hand, you're going to get called on, I promise you. Any pig Latin here? I always tell people I'm trilingual, redneck, some English, and a little pig Latin. Okay, so tonight, if we walked out of here, and there was three or four people from Moscow who walked in who couldn't speak English, and you begin to share Jesus with them in Russian, how many of you would say that's a miracle? Are you serious? You wouldn't all say that's a miracle? That would be a, it'd sure be a miracle if I did it. And so I, I think that is one way very properly to understand tongues is that it can be the ability God could give you to speak in a tongue you don't know. Now, 
when we train missionaries to go all over the world, we try to train them in the native tongue. We don't expect them to get over there and expect to have the gift of tongues when they get to McDonald's to order a hamburger or whatever. So I think that's, again, it's a rare and special occasion, but you, you can't deny that that happened in the, in the New Testament and that it could happen. Here's the second thing. It's a private prayer language. It can be a private prayer language. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 through 15. This is Paul, God speaking through Paul. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my mind also. I will sing praises with my spirit, but I will sing praises with my mind also. You jump down to verse 18 and 19. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, I've always found that curious that some of my brethren who are against, completely against speaking in tongues, how they deal with the passage where Paul says, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than any of you. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? A lot of, I just go ahead and say, a lot of Baptists, we're just scared of the subject, so we want to ignore it, right? That, we can be that one extreme. Tongues seems to be a part, not the only part of Paul's prayer life. I don't understand this, but because I or you don't understand it doesn't mean it's not real. Amen? Or the resurrection never happened if you have to understand it, Right? But biblically, biblically, I think this is clear that not everyone is gifted to do this. And also, tongues would not be the major way a Christian should pray. Now, why am I saying that? Well, because we never see Jesus doing this. We're never instructed by Jesus to do this. We're never instructed... Uh, any other place in the New Testament. In fact, Paul doesn't tell us to do it. He's telling, he's explaining what happens and, and how it's done. I love Mark chapter 1, verse 35. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus departed, went out to a desolate place, and he prayed. And oftentimes when he prayed, the disciples apparently were close enough to him to hear him, and they understood what he was praying. And Luke 18, 1 uh, a great verse, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and never give up, never lose heart. He doesn't say pray in tongues there, does he? Does he? I think, it, I think it's a, a private prayer language that some people may have. I do not have that gift. I was in an interview one time for a chaplain's position 25 years ago with the North American Mission Board, and they asked me, have you ever spoken in tongues? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if that's the answer they wanted, but that was the truth. So I think the answer is that is no. Years ago, I mean, I'm talking 30-plus years ago, a, a lady I knew in Tennessee, her husband was uh, an alcoholic, and she loved the Lord and was very sincere. And I remember her telling me, she'd gone to her pastor, what do I do about my husband? And he said, you need to set aside 30 minutes every day to pray in tongues for him. 
And my question was, why don't you just set aside 30 minutes every day to pray for him? Use your mind and your, your spirit as you pray. I do think it is a private prayer language. Here's the third thing, and this is the one that a lot of times when we think about speaking in tongues, it causes a lot of problems. It can be a unique public gift to profit and benefit the church. Gifts are simply to benefit the church, bring glory to God, and help bring others to Christ. We won't look at that again, but remember that 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, to each one a gift is given so you can wear it around as a trophy. Right? No, it says for the common good. In other words, if you have musical gifts, if you have a, a, a gift of service or of giving or of preaching or of teaching or of tongues, the whole, the whole proof of it being in the pudding is that you use that gift to bring glory to God, to make your church better, and to reach people for Jesus. Amen? It's, it's, not, it's not for us and our own benefits. Tongues, like a lot of other gifts, can certainly be shining the light on us instead of shining the light on Jesus. Certainly to speak in a language you don't know to lead someone to Christ is benefiting the kingdom. And I would be certain to pray in a private prayer language can be too. But this is another aspect. I want to look again in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 10, and then verse 30. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. Now look at that last part. To another, the interpretation of tongues. We won't look at it again, but you remember in verse 30, it says that not everyone has the gift of being able to speak in tongues or interpret tongues. But what is this here, okay? If prayer is being able to speak into a foreign language you don't know, that, if that can be tongues, if it can be a private prayer language, what, what is this that would be used in a public setting? And 1 Corinthians 14, verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will it benefit you unless I bring someone some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? He's talking about doing this in a public way at this point. Verse 26. What then, brothers, what, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. Okay, someone speaks in tongues in a service. Here is a great criteria. There must be someone to interpret the supernatural message. And this can't be a rigged game. You following me? Won't look at it again, but that 1 Corinthians 12.10 says that interpretation is a gift also. Correct? 1 Corinthians 14.28 but if there is, read this out loud with me. But if there, okay, this is clearly not a known foreign language. If, if it was a clear known foreign language, you would not need an interpreter. You would need a translator, correct? We have several people here tonight who can speak Spanish, right? If you can speak Spanish fluently, raise your hand. I'm, I'm looking at four. 
Five. Okay. Ron, you need to know it's for self-defense. <laughs> if, if someone got up tonight and gave a message in Spanish, I wouldn't know what they were saying unless I could make out the word fajita or taco. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, my, I took Spanish for two years, years ago, and I, I didn't do well. But you would need a gifted, spiritually gifted interpreter, correct? You would need a translator. He says all this should be done in an orderly, listen, never a disruptive way. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. So if someone was going to speak in tongues in a service, there would have to be someone to interpret. It should never be disruptive. Say that out loud with me. It should never be disruptive. And there's got to be someone to interpret the message. Here's some ways you can understand if this happens, if it's real to some extent. If the Holy Spirit is going to give a unique message, it needs to be a unique message, correct? If Norm stands up and speaks in a tongue, and Jeremy translate it, and the tongues is, Norma said we all need to be nice to each other. Norma, I can read my Bible. I don't need a supernatural message to get that. You understand what I'm saying? And see, that's happened sometimes. We need to pay the preacher more. Well, that could be, honestly, the correct interpretation. <laughs> it's never self-serving. It's never self-serving. It's never unscriptural. Always remember the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. He will never contradict the Bible, right? Man, I want, you, you, you guys have to deal with your own struggles. One of my struggles is people coming to me saying, God told me. When they just had indigestion. <laughs> or they're mad. Because when somebody prefaces, God told me, when you disagree, you're disagreeing with the Almighty. But your, your God told you better line up with Scripture, okay? Can't be self-serving. It can't be unscriptural. Let me tell you a true story that happened to one of my sisters in graduate school. She was going to graduate school at Regents University, in Virginia Beach, Virginia. That, the founder of that was Pat Robertson. How many of you remember Pat Robertson? Pat Robertson was a charismatic preacher. And I mean, he had a great personality, but he was also, uh, you know, spoken tongues. And, and my sister did not, but a lot of people at the school did. And in chapel one day, towards the end of the chapel, a man stood up and spoke in an unknown tongue. And someone else at another spot waited a minute and then stood up and interpreted it. Of course, my sister was kind of freaking out. I mean, she hadn't seen that. She'd seen Baptist act ugly in a business meeting, but never seen anything like that. And, and uh, I remember one time I was speaking in tongues on the back row at church in the seventh grade, and my dad got out and went and got me, and he cured me, <laughs> cured me. 
I wasn't speaking in tongues. I was talking in church, and that was just as bad as doing anything else. But the, the interpreter got up, and here's what they said. They said, the message from this man is, is that God is fixing to do a great work in Virginia Beach. There's fixing to be a great revival, but there's sin in the camp. And there's going to be several leaders that are going to have to step away in the months ahead for this to happen. Wouldn't you like to have been a leader at the school at that point? Here's what my sister said happened over the next six months. Two pastors who were not even there in that chapel, one stepped down for sexual indiscretion, one stepped down for financial indiscretions, and a vice president of the university stepped down for some indiscretions too. And she said revival broke out in that area. That's of God. That probably is not going to happen often, but I, you can't deny that. And I think that's how you have to look at something, especially supernatural, is the fruit of it, too. You know, the Bible says that, uh, uh, in the Old Testament that if a person came and prophesied and it didn't happen, a person came and said, God told me and it didn't happen, what do you do to them? What? That's rocks, not marijuana, right? <laughs> you killed them. That's how serious it is. So you always test the message by the Word of God. You test the message by the fruit of it in the days ahead. Did it come to pass? And we don't judge others, but we have to be discerning about who's saying it and who's interpreting it, correct? Incorrect, correct? Absolutely. You have to be discerning about who's saying and who's not saying. And here's the last thing on this. It should never be disruptive. It should never be disruptive. Let me give you some final thoughts. Tongues are not a sign of salvation and of being right with God. Normally, people who would hold to this have a misunderstanding of some of the, the teachings in the book of Acts. If you remember back, we talked about that a while back, about if you look in Acts, what you see is some people were saved, received the Holy Spirit, didn't speak in tongues. Others were saved, received the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues. Some had hands laid on them and received the Holy Spirit and didn't speak in tongues. Some had hands on them and spoke in tongues. So what's the pattern? There was no pattern. And I think there's some, we don't have time, but some important cultural reasons that was happening so that the apostles were able to identify these Gentiles who were coming to Christ that it was a real thing. And I think by the pattern that came later that this was not the case anymore. I can remember a church where I met, where Cindy and I met, one of the, uh, my deacons, he told me he is, his brother-in-law was a deacon in a, another church in another denomination, and that to be a deacon, you had to speak in tongues. Our deacon body would probably be pretty small, would be my guess. I don't know. Dickie, would it be? It would be. Hey, you want to know how you're doing with Jesus? It's not about your gifting. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Remember these from a few weeks ago? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. Listen, the proof that you, you belong to Christ and that Christ is filling you is not the exercise of any gift primarily. It's the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And John 13, 35. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you give 15% to your church every Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry. Y'all aren't paying any attention at all. Every preacher wishes that what he said, but he didn't. What did he say? Read that with me. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if love for one another. I believe tongues are valid if they are understood and practiced in a biblical way. Because we don't understand something or it makes us nervous doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But anytime when you get to things like we talked about last week, miracles and healings and tongues, you need an extra dose of wisdom and you need to hang on to your Bible as you look into them. I want to ask you if you'd bow your heads. We're not going to give a come forward invitation. We're going to pray. In fact, we're going to pray at the altar in just a moment to close out our service. You're here tonight and you, you want to give your life to Christ. You meet me over by the piano after church and, and let's take care of business. Maybe you'd like to join the church. We would love for you to. You can do that right after church also. Man, as a Christian, just ask the Spirit of God to fill you, to reveal His gifts that He's given you to you, and live them out. Live out these gifts. God's given them to us not as trophies, but as work clothes and work equipment. Jesus, we love you. We, we don't understand so much this side of heaven, but, man, we trust you. God, fill us with your spirit. Fill this church with your spirit. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen.